0: Good morning. Thanks for being here today. Well, this is a special day, and in honor of this special day, uh, we have a special guest with us. This is Barry Colbank, <laughs> and uh, so he's going to be uh, giving up some jokes today and uh, doing the welcome. So let's make sure we uh, come be heartily endorsing what he's uh, doing, okay? So honk your horn, cheer, laugh, all
1: those kinds of things, okay? So. Okay, here we go everybody. Uh, happy Father's Day, I'm glad you're all here. Uh, everybody knows that I know, I uh, definitely tell my fair share of cheesy dad jokes, so, so <laughs> let us begin. So, hey, what did the baby computer call its father? Data. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> What do you call it when a cow spies on another cow? A stakeout. <laughs> what did the hamburger name his daughter? Patty. (laughs) What's the difference between a cat and a frog? A cat has nine lives and a frog croaks every day. (laughs) What's what's blue and not that heavy? Light blue. (laughs) What do you call a camel with no humps? Humphrey. And what did, uh, what did the duck say to the clerk when it went to buy some lipsticks? Some lipstick. Just put it on my bill. <laughs> 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 okay. And why did the cowboy get himself a dash hound? Because he wanted to get a long little doggy. <laughs> Thank you, everybody.
0: <laughs> so we have a special treat this morning, and that's uh, three of our elders are going to be sharing the word. And we're going to be starting off by having Cam come. So he's coming right away. And so let's give it up. Let's welcome them.
2: I just want to say uh, thank you to Greg for turning my nice, quiet, peaceful life into turmoil for the last couple of weeks. Um, yeah, you don't realize how much you appreciate peace until it's gone. However, um, it's also been a tremendous learning experience um, it's fun digging into scripture and a lot of times it seems that, uh, well, I can only speak for myself, uh, I'm, I'm busy, I'm a s- very busy guy, and not necessarily productive, but busy. And to take time and to get into the word and start drilling down into what does that word actually mean in the original language, and it kind of brings revelation. It's really been encouraging and I would encourage everybody to do that. By the way, I'm on the clock. Um, it's There's a lot of fruit there. So I'm just going to jump right in. Um, I just want to pray first. Father, I just pray that your word would come forth, Lord, that this would not be um, my opinion, but it would be direct out of the word of God, and it would be encouraging and uplifting for my friends here in Jesus' name. Uh the, the title of this message uh, kind of goes, when we are under God's authority, we can expect to pray with authority because authority is released through relationship. And that is a super key point. When you're in relationship with your spouse, a good friend, um, sometimes you can just look at each other, nod, and you both know exactly what you're thinking. And um, that is the way I want to be in relationship with a father, where we just kind of connect, and I know what he's telling me. I've got many experiences of that very thing, and I know it works. It's very true. It's not something I'm making up to try to encourage you. I'm just speaking of essentially my real-life experience. Um, this, this is an old Surface laptop, and oh, my goodness, I'm pretty sure it's going in the garbage when I get home. <clears throat> Um, we're going to start with, um, Matthew 17, uh, 19 to 20. And this is about the, uh, the troubled boy who was under demonic oppression. And the dad comes to the disciples and says, Hey, um, your guys prayed for my son, but it didn't work. Can you help me? So when the disciples were in private after the whole session, we're going to jump around a bit here. Um, they say, well, why couldn't we drive it out? He replied, because you have so little faith. I tell you the truth, if you had faith as small as a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it would move. Nothing is impossible for you. I am a really uh, a black and white person. Um, I, I, I'm not so much the gray. And when he says, nothing will be impossible for you, if you go and look up that word, it means exactly what it says. And that was just for me, because I'm pretty simplistic. Um, if it's very complicated, I probably will miss it. But that word is very cool. Nothing. Um, so it's because of their little faith that they couldn't exercise a demon. But almost in the same breath, Jesus says, if you have faith like a grain of a mustard seed, little faith, you'll be able to move this mountain of demonic oppression. Is Jesus contradicting himself? Well, we know he never does that. There we go. Okay. Uh, to start with, what is a mountain Refer to, and it's a figurative term used in Isaiah 40, verse four, a mountain and hill brought low. It's it's kind of a metaphor about an obstacle in your path or an enemy that's pursuing you. In this case, the mountain, the enemy authority that needed to be removed, was a demonic power affecting the boy. Matthew 17:20, Jesus said, "If you had a faith like a grain of a mustard seed, you'd be able to say to this mountain." demonic oppression move from here and it would move nothing will be impossible for you it's like um tree roots that are causing bumps in our asphalt out there um they are alive and they have force and power that never stops and they just keep pushing and the the things that we create have to move the demonic has to move has to it's not a it's not an if it's a must and I'm sending a picture, they're loading it right now online, hopefully, of a plant that out in front of the road or in front of our place. It's growing up right through the asphalt. And it's about that tall, green, leafy little plant. You think how delicate and sensitive. Yeah, it's pushing right through at least two or three inches of asphalt. Because once things, things are planted and watered and the fruit starts happening, there's nothing you can stop. It just can't be stopped. And that's the whole point. Nothing can stand in our way. So why couldn't the disciples drive out the demon? Now keep in mind, and I'm going to bounce again, like I said, Jesus and three other disciples were up on the Mount of Transfiguration, and they were separated from those guys, the remainders. So the remainders are the ones that were initially uh, exposed to this uh, problem child, if you will. Um, So why couldn't they drive out this demon? First off, the problem wasn't God didn't want the boy delivered from oppression. Anybody who thinks uh, Jesus put something on somebody in a negative way, like a sickness or a disease or whatever, that is complete foolishness and not scripture-based. Just let's be clear about that. Um, second, the problem wasn't that they didn't step out in faith because they did. They, they prayed for the kid and um, you know, in front of many people because the dad steps up and said, hey, my son's ill, and they prayed for him in front of everybody. So they had something going on. They, they want to do this. But the problem was, uh, third, um, it wasn't the quantity of their faith that was too little. Uh, It was the quality. They had actually driven out demons before when Jesus sent them out two by two. And they healed the sick and, I don't know about raised the dead, but they did miraculous things. And the reason was Jesus empowered them to do that very job at that time. That wasn't a lifelong um, you get it and you have it forever. It was today I want you two to go out and you're empowered to do that job in that city and you two over here to do that. And they did it and they had fruit. And they all came back 100% and were amazed. Even the demonic was subject to us. And they were all shocked and amazed because they had relationship with him and he it was able to um, conquer through them those, those uh, oppressions. That was uh, Mark 6, 7 to 13. He called upon the 12 to himself and began to send them out two by two and gave them power over unclean spirits. And they cast out demons and anoint with oil many who were sick and healed them. Who doesn't love that stuff? So what did Jesus mean about their so-called little faith? And what did it mean when he said that this kind comes out only with prayer and fasting? At the root of it, fasting is a warfare tool primarily, primarily used not against the demonic or a problem, but against yourself. It's to bring you into subjection. It's to lower your flesh down that you can be in tune with the Holy Spirit. And people maybe not fully understand that. I, I can't say I fully understand it, but I have fasted, And Prayed over situations and after three days one just one time I was wondering about this job situation and I was praying and fasting and I just got one word It wasn't a sentence. It wasn't a big dialogue that he downloaded on me. It was one word. No (laughs) He uh, sometimes is very concise with me anyways, there isn't a big long poetry just no and um, When I look backwards How probably about 10 years later, um, oh my goodness, thank you, Lord. It would have been a complete, total train wreck. So when you do conquer this, this man thing, person thing, um, and you start allowing your spirit to communicate with the Holy Spirit, now the fruit comes. Now you actually hear Yes, I'm battling with technology. I should just talk my face off and just leave this thing. Um, so the, the point was that the disciples went out and did their thing, and they had victory, and they came back thinking, I got this, I got this. We don't have to go through any kind of other thing. I, I have the power now. And they did have it, but it was, like I said, it was timelined and specific for that task. They came back thinking, well, I got it. I can do anything. And then they're confused. And that's why they asked Jesus, why why couldn't we figure this out? And that's the key point that we need to remember continuously is to prepare ourselves to receive and hear his voice and be obedient to the call that's on for that moment. And this is not for the big thing that's coming up, your final exams or who knows what it is it's every single day all the time it's living in that place and i'm thankful that um while the the word says that we are to pray without ceasing in thessalonians it doesn't say we have to fast without ceasing so there's some upside there too So where, where these guys fell down is they began to trust in themselves because they had victory. And when you have victory in something, it doesn't matter what it is. You're playing golf and you shoot a 64 and everyone around you is like 100. It's like, I got this. I rock. And you guys, maybe not so much. Um, that's when you start getting into the P word, which would sound a lot like pride, and you start relying on your own strengths. And that is a very, very dangerous place to live. Um, and that's what happened with the disciples. They were good guys, but had a couple of key things that they were missing. Um, and that's the... Uh, okay, I'm going to jump right to a dream that I had January 15th. Um, I'll just read it quickly. This dream, I woke up at 545 in the morning, and I'm in my old black diesel 4x4 with a camper on the back. I'm on a steep logging road. I'm looking out the driver's window, and all I can see is the cliff over this side with lots of big trees around. And there I'm driving. The next thing is the road starts to tip up on a bit of a hill climb, and away I go. Now, I've got a class one license. I've hauled logs off highway at night in the wintertime, Pick something I haven't seen or done. Probably not too much. Uh, so I'm confident. I, I know what I can do. I'm good. And I, I'm climbing, and it gets steeper and steeper and steeper and steeper and i'm in my diesel pickup and i'm in low gear and i got it floored and i'm not making progress i'm starting to stall out and it's spinning i jump on the brakes and now i'm like wow (laughs) i've never seen this coming and now what do i do i'm stuck i can't get out of the vehicle and i'm my mind's racing trying to think of options because that's what i do i find problems and then i find solutions and uh, I can't open the door and hop out because by the time I let my foot off the brake, the door will swing backwards. The whole truck will shoot down the hill, and I'll get hit and either knocked over the bank or under the truck. Like, there's, there is no way out. And I wake up, and my heart is racing like it is right now, maybe a little bit more. <laughs> and uh, I say to the Lord, like, what are you trying to tell me here? And that's exactly the theme of this whole thing is relying on my own confidence, relying on my experience, aside from what the holy spirit could do through me or in me through that circumstance and that's that's what i'm i'm calling the the major number one point here is do not rely on your own self seek after the lord um don't be shy about fasting that's okay you can do that but the point is to live in his presence daily continuously don't ever try to get out of that if you do um, there's lots of examples in the world, maybe in your own life, where people have become very good at something and then they crash and burn because they become confident in themselves it's the confident confidence is to be in the Holy Spirit and to be listening to his voice He may tell you something crazy and i've got a million stories that i 'm way over time and I have to go, but that is the very point is to be hearing god's voice and being obedient to that moving in on your own strength. Um, it will bring some blessing it can bring some blessing but it is going to uh cause you a wreck in the future brian
3: okay well i want to second what cam said about the uh week of no peace because i had one of those weeks too for some reason i don't know why that is how do we both have one the same week i think i know why I want to welcome everyone. Say happy Father's Day. What a great day to talk about listening for our Father's voice. That's my challenge is to describe for you how you hear God's voice. uh, I've had a bit of experience hearing his voice. It's fairly unusual how sometimes God will talk to you. He's talked to me with a car parked in a parking lot at one time. And it was, you know, I went by it many 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 times i'm going to get into that story but i'm going to start with paul writes in romans so faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of christ to recognize and hear this word from god we need to be focused on god we need to be listening for god and we need to be in a good relationship with him our faith is strengthened this way our faith comes as a response to god that's a rhema word from god specifically for us do you know where and when that word will come? Well, I'm going to tell you here that I didn't. I had no idea when and where God would speak to me. But early in my business life, he spoke to me about redeeming the time I spent at work. And what I mean by redeeming the time was he wanted to make that time very productive. And so he had me, um, it, it, I guess I just want to add that this, this word took years to take root in me and in my life. And so I would be right here in Carter, I'd be driving to work every day and I would see this car parked at a building, uh, River Industries building, and uh, I knew the owner there and I knew the car was the owner's car. And I would see the car, whatever time of the night or day I would go to work, I'd be like, what the heck, he's there at like five in the morning, you know. And then I'd uh, I'd work the odd very late night and I'd be leaving work at 10 o'clock or something and there was his car. Anyway, I think, you know, that, that just occurred to me. Wow, there's a hard-working business guy. He just never quits. He just go, go, go. And so um, we got into the 80s, into the mid-80s, and things got a little tough in town here, especially for logging. It was, you know, I think we were dealing with a lot of um, turmoil in logging, and so his industry was based on logging. And so he took some, some really hard hits. Um, Way more hard hits than you could imagine. Basically, it took him out of business, and, and God spoke to me and said, Brian, you see, he worked hard, and he did work hard. It isn't about working hard. It's about working efficiently and working with God's covering. And so he really just um, spent that time. I mean, that, that took years for that to take root in my life, but it really did. And it, and it spoke to me loud enough that there was no denying it. That, that's the way it was going to be. Jesus spoke to seven different local Asian churches each time ending with this phrase, whoever as hears, let him hear what the Spirit says. God help us to have ears to hear what your Spirit's saying this morning, Lord. I think we need to be in that posture of being ready for what, what God's gonna say. There's some things that might prevent you from being ready, and, and I think I'm gonna just name a few of them. A heart that is not right before God, would prevent you from hearing what God's saying. If you have bitterness in your heart, if you have envy or resentment, they'll create stumbling blocks. They're not going to let that word of God speak into your life. A second thing that might keep you from hearing is that, I think Cam alluded to it there, thinking that you can do it on your own. The macho syndrome, I'm going to call it. Oops. I just realized I didn't start my clock, so I get extra time, I guess. <laughs> start it. I don't know if Cam realizes you don't need that big thing. We got little ones that go on your wrist like that. That uh, <laughs> just the other thing I want to say is I'm looking at Deb2 going, I didn't get the memo about the white shirt and the black pants. Like I I'm sorry. <laughs> here I am in gray. And Cam making a bit of a derogatory comment about gray didn't help either. So. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> yeah. I, th- I think another thing that can keep you from hearing God is a fear that He m- may ask you. For too much. And I put in brackets here, what if he asked you to speak in front of the whole congregation? Like, that wouldn't really happen, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, fortunately, he never gives us more than we can deal with, right? So, God dropped a um, a word in my spirit many years ago as a father. He, he basically showed me how, how how happy I am when my kids come to me with a need, but How disappointing it would be if they only showed up when there was a need. I mean, we want an ongoing relationship with God. We don't just take our needs to Him. And I know that uh, God desires a healthy relationship. I'm just going to read a... uh, I I feel like for a long time my connection with God was a one-way street. I talked to Him enough but didn't listen a whole lot. That was a very dry time in my life. And the more I looked at Scripture, the more God spoke to me about our relationship and how I needed to spend dedicated time listening to what he is saying. That was a rhema word for me from God. And, you know, somebody can just speak that word. When I was sitting there for some reason, I was just looking around this parking lot saying, and there are all kinds of people in this parking lot that have spoken into my life over the years. You can speak a rhema word. And I think it's important that we realize it. I think one of the things I want to share is that... Uh, um, but more than just dedicating time, I needed to be ready any time for God to speak to me. Like I say, even a time driving through the down the street looking at a parking lot, parked car. How did that speak to me? It didn't speak to me every time I saw it. It spoke to me about, oh, wow, he's a hardworking guy. But then God spoke to me about, you know, how that isn't the answer. It isn't to be there all day long. Maybe it's to be home with my kids. And I was fortunate in my business life that I was able to do that. I was able to still go to volleyball games and basketball games. You know, it was, it was wonderful. Um, I'm going to say uh, it always needs to start with a word from God. 2007, sorry, I'm going to go into business because I'm, I'm about business. I'm about God's business, but I'm about our business, and I'm about building the kingdom with our business. And so I'm going to say in 2007... It was a uh, it was a, a it wasn't a hard year, but it was a it was a complicated year. We started building a building on 15th Avenue there, but one in three quarter million bucks. It was probably more than <laughs> we expected to be spending, and uh, we jumped right in. If you recall, 2007, from January 2007 until June 2009, we were in an economic recession around the world. It was rough, and you know if if you don't think there was a lot of questions. In our minds about why we were doing this at that time, there were lots. But this is the time that we lean on God. God gives us a word to move ahead. He's there to support us. And so, you know, we spent some time uh, in prayer and, uh, you know, in even asking ourselves, you know, are we on the right track? Is this really what we need to do? I think I would uh, – I just want to make a reference to, a, you know, something that we did in the church a while ago, Crash the Chatterbox, Steve Furtick. And I could tell you, boy, the chatter that went on in our lives during that time was incredible. Man, oh man, you'd wake up in the morning and you'd hear the news or you'd hear something is going sideways and you're thinking, what have we done? Why didn't we just stay in that little building we were in? It was just so easy and enjoyable and so on. So lots of opportunities to cry out to God with what's going on here. The... uh, In Matthew 4, 4, Jesus said, It is written, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Now, that's a raven word. God sustains us. He starts with a word from Christ spoken into our heart. Once you have that word, God has an expectation on you. Once you've got the word, he expects you to respond with faith and do something about that word. One word we got even just a few years ago, we've only been going two years and... and, uh, in a new venture that Chris and I jumped into, and that was in Calgary. We opened a store. And, uh, you know, when you talk about the chatterbox, oh, my goodness, the the, the advice we got. And, and you know what? God bless Christians. I love my Christian friends. We had a Christian um, who was in the industry who said, Brian, Brian, Brian. He phoned me up, and I don't talk to him a lot, but he phoned me up, and he said, Brian, don't do it. That's a disaster, Calgary. I mean, the economy is horrible, and that store went bankrupt, and... You know, blah blah blah, and then we just uh, Chris and I just you know we prayed about it. We felt like you know, do we have the right team? God put together the right team. He put an incredible manager into that place. Um, what were we going? Maybe we were going for uh, six, seven months. Covid hit. Oh my goodness! Now what? Now what are we going to do? Stores closed. Rents fifteen thousand a month. I never sweated over signing a lease. When I signed that lease, for whatever reason, I still I say to Chris. I remember pulling up my calculator and going, "Okay, this is about uh, three quarters of a million bucks that we're going to spend on rent here. I hope God's going to bring some business because we're going to need it to pay these bills. But uh, you know what? He did. He gave us the right team. It's a phenomenal team. COVID did the opposite to what you might think. It's it's created a, an incredible business there. They're just they're so backlogged with sales they can't even believe it. I have the young guys that are the manager and the, the chief sales guy there." Phone me up and say, "Man, I've never seen anything like this. We've got like like two million dollars worth of sales on the books right now. We're waiting for supply on, and it's like, and Chris and I are going. Thank you, Lord. You know, this is this is the way it happens. When He speaks to you, we need to move into it. I'm not sure how long I talked before I hit the button, but, uh, uh, but you know, I, I guess I just I want to I want to make sure I kind of suggest." You know, when when, this, when that word gets dropped in your heart, it doesn't mean that moment that you're going to feel like this is the word for you. A lot of times we got to sleep on it. We got to pray on it. We got to think about it. God reaffirms it, you know, and I'll tell you, we did, we, we asked a lot of questions, Chris and I, and we were both past the big 6-0 by then, and we were like, you know, is this really what we want to do? Do we want to get into this? And I've, we've, we've started a lot of other smaller things that we've opened stores, Opening stores can be a very big challenge. So here I am telling all these young people, believe me, you know, you think traffic's going to come in. You think you have what everybody wants, but they're not going to show up. You need to know that. They're just not going to show up the way you think they will. But, but the truth is, in this store, maybe he knows we're 60 years old and we're not going to deal with it. You know, <laughs> we only have so much time to deal with this. So, Lord, you need to bring the work. He brought the work. The store has, is, is, you know, grown incredibly. We're thankful to God for that. The, um, I'm just going to flip through. I think there was one more thing I wanted to hit on, and that was, uh, I guess I just I want to talk a little bit about First uh, Kings 18 and uh, Elijah praying. I think, you know, maybe I'll just read some of it. Uh, 1 Kings 18, 41. Then Elijah said to Ahab, Go get something to eat and drink, for I hear a mighty rainstorm coming. Well, that was his word, right? He had that. He knew the, the drought was going to end. He knew it. So Ahab went to eat and drink but Elijah climbed to the top of Mount Carmel and got low to the ground and prayed with his face between his knees. I'm thinking, you know what? You know the rain's coming Elijah, but but until you put in your part of the equation, it's not going to happen. You know, and I think that so often that's that's the case. God gives us that word, we start to move into it. We need to get in there. We need to pray there he is praying seven times. He sends a servant out to, the, to look. And the seventh time, seeing the size of a cloud, you see, uh, the, the size of a hand, the cloud, I'm thinking, okay, no, I don't think I'd be jumping yet. You know, it's going to pour rain. Yes, he says, it's going to pour rain, and it poured rain. And God gave him strength to run in front of that chariot. So anyway, I just, um, I want to say what a great privilege it is to be leading alongside these incredible leaders the 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 pastors and the elders in this church i just i just feel so humbled every time i meet with them i think um one of the things that really has spoken to me my good friend kenton has this prayer that he prays what are you saying lord and he'll say it and say it what are you saying lord and i just feel like wow That's what we need to know. What are you saying, Lord? We need to know what he's saying. Can I do a little advertisement while I'm up here? One really good place to strengthen and build your faith and prayer life is in a small group setting. I just I love the way people step up in prayer when God moves on them in a small group. We hear from God in our small group every single week. I have never been to to our Connect Group meeting and not heard from God. And God will speak through... Any one of us. And we have no clue when we get there that night who it's going to be and how he's going to speak, but he always speaks. So I'm going to turn it over to Kenton. Thank you very much. I guess we got to take that mic.
0: Happy Father's Day, everybody. Happy Father's Day to my dad who's typically listening to these things. I love you, Dad, and I honor you. Uh, I'm fortunate to have a dad who's honorable. Those of you who do have dads that are honorable, show them honor and love. Those of you who have dads who are not honorable, show them honor and love. Do it. It's not a suggestion in Scripture. It's not like, oh, honor your father and your mother. It's like, do this. It's good for your soul. Do this. We're talking about authority and prayer, and here's the cool thing about authority. This is what it looks like. When a fly dropped in my soup, my tomato soup that my grandma made when I was a kid on the farm, it was a pig farm, there was a lot of flies. When it dropped in my soup, I'm a little bit OCD. The soup was contaminated. My grandma scooped out the fly and expected me to be that kid, right? I was a good eater. I was not that kid. When oil gets on a nice clean white shirt, I rarely wear anything clean, so take note. It's rare. It contaminates the linen. It contaminates it. When something drops into the water that is not pure, it takes pure water and makes it not so pure water. But what did Christ do? When the leper walked through the streets back in Christ's day, he had to yell out, I'm unclean. Because when the unclean comes in contact with the clean, the clean become unclean. That's the rule. But what does authority do? What does authority look like, guys? What authority looks like is that the clean comes in contact with the unclean and the unclean becomes clean. Do you feel that? Do you get that? Christ was not afraid of the unclean. Everybody else was running away from the leper. Everybody else said, we've got to get out of here. This guy is unclean. And Christ walks in with authority and touches the leper and the leprosy disappears. It says that we can drink poison and we can eat things that could harm us, but they won't harm us. Why? Because we have the spirit of God in us, and when the unclean touches the clean and the spirit of God is involved, you can honk, it's good. Then what happens? The unclean becomes clean. That's why we're pursuing authority in prayer, guys. That's what this whole message is about. It's about authority in prayer so that when we touch something, we don't touch it in the natural because our natural is unclean and we're not going to do anything for the unclean when we touch things in the natural, nothing. We've got nothing. But when we touch things in the authority of the scripture and in the authority of the Holy Spirit, the unclean becomes clean. I'm supposed to talk about unity, and here's what unity is not. Unity is not telling us that we've got to live in unity so you give more money to Gateway so that we can prosper. That's what it, It's not that, okay? Unity is not about building something big so that people can drive by and say, wow, those guys look really unified. Look, Christ cast the demon out of the guy, went into 2,000 pigs, 2,000. I once saw a bumper sticker. It said, eat, eat moose, 2,000 wolves, can't be wrong. 2,000 pigs get filled with demons and unified in pure unity run over the cliff and into the sea. 2,000 pigs. Unity can look like that. Unity on its own, not so special. People always say we want to bring democracy all over the world, and I'm like, be careful, because you can en masse run over a cliff. It can happen. Unity is not what we're pursuing. My dad always said... Don't pursue the spirit of unity. Pursue the unity of the spirit. Because when we touch things, we want the unclean to become clean. So here's what it looks like we unify. In the unity of the spirit, we pray for 48 hours and things happen. We haven't heard a lot of the stories because there's a lot of stories out there. And that's just one little drop in the bucket, guys. It's a marathon we're running. That's a drop in the bucket. we're praying for business, right? We had a couple, how many people were praying for business? There's quite a few of us that were different places praying for business. Seems fairly benign. It's like business, yeah, well, whatever. No, it's about building the kingdom of God. Elizabeth, you had a great word about that that one day. It's like, this is not just about business. This is about building the kingdom of God. I go in to talk to my buddy who's a businessman the next day. I have to give him some money for a product. He's a secular man. We start talking about the city and the issues in the city, and I said, yeah. I said, what you're talking is about the physical stuff. And we've got a lot of darkness in the physical stuff. But I said, we can't address it just that way. We have to address it in the spiritual. And he's sitting there, and he's totally agreeing with me. And at the end of our conversation, he all all of a sudden is like, can I tell you a story? Like the day after or two days after our 48-hour prayer, this is what unity does, guys. We're praying for business. We're not praying so that we look amazing in the community. We're praying that things that are unclean become clean. This dude doesn't even know God. He says he's driving to go to a place. He says, "Ah, I don't feel like going that road. I don't feel like going that road. So he goes randomly down a road that's like circuitous. It's not a straight route. And he's a businessman. He's not wasting time. He's just kind of like finds himself beside a park, sees this customer that he's had sitting on this bench. He stops his vehicle. He gets out. His customer's weeping. His wife was just diagnosed with terminal cancer the day before. And this guy's sitting weeping on the bench. My buddy, the secular businessman, who doesn't know that he's just been prayed for by unified people that care about him, even though we didn't mention him by name, sits down and ministers to this guy. Then tells me the story because something is going on when we are unified and we pray God gives us authority. So here's the homework, okay? I'm going to wrap it up because these other gentlemen did their job. I'm just wrapping it up. (laughs) We have a community that needs Christ, that needs the authority of Christ. So here's the homework. They're building units for homeless people over on First Ave right now on the NRR site, okay? They're building units there. They're building units just over here for people who are less fortunate or who need help. They're building units all around this town in the physical. And guess what? They're not going to fix the problem. They are trying to do what they can do in their own strength, and that's okay. Bless the city. Bless the organizations who are working on these things. God bless them. But it's not going to make the unclean clean. It's not, because a natural what's going to happen is those clean, beautiful things are going to become unclean as soon as the unclean enter them. And they're going to say, what do we do? Here's what we do. And here's the homework. And I'm challenging everybody here. When you have a moment, and if you're not sure what small group to join or what to do, use your feet. Walk around these places and pray the power of God down. When you see the people that are destitute in the downtown and you don't know what to do or what to say, use your feet and use the authority that God has placed in you and walk and pray, and see the heads that are turned down be lifted up to the sun. And I mean it. I'm not just suggesting this. We need to do this. We need to be unified as a body, and we need to see the kingdom of God come in our community. Thank you guys, and God bless.